of matches coming your way. Tottenham travels to Liverpool, Everton against Leicester City, Arsenal, Southampton. We also go to Serie A where Juventus face Atalanta, Inter, Napoli, Bayern, Wolfsburg, Barcelona, Real Sociedad. So many games to talk about. We have Jimmy Conrad and Mike Goodman on his first show. Que golazo begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Que Golazo. We have my man, my brother, Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy, how are you, buddy? I'm living the dream. Thanks, Luis. <laughs> yeah, you sound like you're living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, you just be working so hard that I feel like you're just now part zombie, right? Is that what it is? Listen, I am a stat geek, baby. I love what's happening. I love all the trends. I love looking up wagers for you guys on William Hill. And I just love talking the beautiful game. So yes, if I'm a zombie, I am the best possible zombie of all time. A cute zombie. I love it. I love it. And making his debut on Kego Lasso Pod, Mike, the legend, Goodman, CBS Sports Senior Editor. He's a stat. You, you say you're a stats uh, geek, Jimmy. My God, Mike as well. Uh, such an expert on all accounts and all soccer and a good friend and colleague. Mike Goodman, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, man. I'm happy to be here. I literally have my spreadsheets open on my computer, ready to go. Welcome to the club, my friend. <laughs> I know. See, I love it. I love it. Mike was texting me at two in the morning saying, hey, man, what do you think about this? X or no. And I was like, Mike, I'm trying to sleep, man. I'm just yeah, well, You don't have little kids. I'm up all the time. <laughs> that is exactly true. Uh, so welcome, everybody. Uh, as we mentioned on social ahead of this uh, and in the intro, it is a ridiculously, uh, you know, fun entertaining look ahead to wednesday a lot of really good games all over we begin we begin in the premier league with a big one tottenham traveling to anfield facing liverpool for what is basically essentially the the title race at this point obviously chelsea plays as we speak but this still regardless uh one against two Jose Mourinho, jimmy already playing the uh you know uh, the mind games with his quotes and everything first of all Jimmy, what do you have for us easy money-wise? Uh, Tottenham traveling to Liverpool. For me, can we call this the game of the season? Like The game of the season? I think we potentially can, and it's a midweek game in the middle of December. So take that for what it's worth. Both of these teams are tied on top of the table with the exact same record, though Tottenham have them a little bit pipped at the top with a better goal difference. What I'm looking at is really a potential straight-up, you know, nothing too exotic here, but I do have some value for you. Liverpool, the favorites, minus 130. The draws plus 280 and Tottenham plus 350. That's pretty good value for a team that's undefeated away from home in the Premier League this season. Liverpool, obviously, 44 games unbeaten at home in the Premier League. I know they lost to Adelaide in the Champions League, but that doesn't count. We're talking about the league, Mike and Luis, okay? Now, there are a couple values that I found for you. As you guys know, I try to stay away from the negative bets. You know, and you got to bet, you know, 100 to win 130, minus 130, any of that stuff. I always look for the positives. That's how I am in life. You know, I'm always looking at the positives, baby. Silver linings over here. Okay. You know, so, Jimmy, you're Mr. Sunshine. I know. I am. Just, I'm just feeling it. And I've got the crew jersey on. So I'm like double Mr. Sunshine because it's the <laughs> yellow one. So I kind of like the draw. I can see because both of these teams are tough to break down in a lot of different ways, despite the injury concerns for Liverpool. I could see a 1 1 here, a hard fought 1 1, plus 280, as I said. But if you think both teams are going to score, then that's plus 360 for the draw. I like that one a little bit. Uh, Hingman Sun, who is second for scoring in the Premier League, plus 188 to score any time. You could do worse than find value there for that guy. And then um, if – so I would actually did take a step I, – I lied to you guys. I took a step deeper on the, on the on some of the exotics, and I want to hear Mike's thoughts on this too. But two shots on target 
for Hingman's son is plus 200. He didn't get that last game uh, in the last time that they played, but Harry Kane did. He So two shots on target for Harry Kane plus 150. I like that one a lot. He takes their penalties as well. So so that's a possibility that that could happen. That's pretty good value. That's where I see things on William Hill right now. Plenty of value. Yeah, there. I think the, the Sun one is really interesting in general. And I think that like Spurs in – I think Spurs in general are pretty interesting that way, right? Because mm-hmm. they've – the Jose Mourinho thing is always, like, defend a lead. And so if Spurs get a lead early, then you may you may not see value from those bets. But what's, what's ended up happening, like, this season is that they just keep scoring on their first shot. And, like, that can't happen every single <laughs> week, right? Like, that's the thing. They, they have this unbelievable record of, like, the first time Sun gets a shot at goal, it goes in. And, like, I don't care who you are from Lionel Messi on down. Like, that doesn't happen all the time. So if, if you're looking at what's likely to be different from most Spurs matches this season, it's like, well, maybe they're going to have to try to take a few more shots before they score on the counter, um, which is what I would be looking for, like, from the pattern of this match. So, yeah, like, I, I think I think Sun with a couple of shots on target, because, again, it's going to be Liverpool. Clearly, we know what Jose Mourinho does, right? Like, he's going to invite pressure and counter. And Liverpool this season with the injured defensive line have been all about just sort of trying to go all out and outscore their opponents. So, I mean, I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from there, Jimmy. Yeah. yeah the, thing that, the thing that worries me here, everybody, let, let's begin uh, with you, Jimmy, is that, uh, you know, normally I would be, you know, yes, Mourinho's on a roll right now. Like the squad feels confident, but they're traveling to Anfield. And that, that's the only thing that, that worries me historically. Tottenham have won just one of the last 26 Premier League away games uh, against Liverpool. Uh, the last one they won was back in 2011. I get it. They're like a different kettle of fish right now, a little bit deeper, a little bit more swagger. But that trip uh, historically does worry me. I wonder if that makes any kind of significance. What do you think, Jimmy? And then I'll, I'll throw it to you up to Mike. I would say that history does come into play here, and I'm sure that Jose Mourinho is well aware of the history, and I'm sure he's using that as motivation in a lot of different ways. I think what I really liked about this team in particular is he's added depth. I thought they've had a really smart transfer window of Spurs. And he's added some players that are tough, tough bastards in a lot of different ways. Hoiberg in particular just kind of runs in those. He does all a lot of thankless work. And that frees up some other guys to not have to worry about that so much. I think he's been a really smart signing. You got Doherty obviously coming over for Wolves, who's kind of got a similar bite. They clearly were identified for a certain reason. I think it was just because they're tough guys. Uh, and we'll add the team with a little bit more, uh, I don't know, more aggression, let's say, in certain areas of the field where I think they can slow things down and break things up. And then you have players that, that like Indombele, who have really emerged. I don't know if he's going to start this one, but have really emerged as somebody they can count on a regular basis. I think LaCelso might end up getting the start. But still, I, I don't know. This is a different Tottenham team than we've seen in the past, and this is a different Liverpool than we've seen in the last six, seven, eight months just due to all their injuries. I think they're tough. I think they're resilient. They're both – these teams are kind of dealing with adversity in different ways. But I like Spurs to at least get a result here. I don't see them losing this one. Mike, what do you think? Uh, so, you know, I, Jimmy talked about uh, aggression. They call that in Uruguay, garra charrua. That's exactly <laughs> what's happening right here. What do you think, Mike? Well, I mean, one thing I'd say about worrying about Spurs on the road here and away from home at Anfield is that there's only one team in the Premier League that's given up fewer goals away from home than Spurs this season. And that's that's your guys. That's Aston Villa. Um, Spurs have been a pretty successful road team. Now, I think if you look at some of the, the nerdier stuff, right, like if you look at expected goals, 
um, so like what you would sort of expect on average for them to have given up, then, then Spurs are a little worse. I think they're about seventh in, in the league away from home in terms of giving up goals. Um, so, you know, maybe you'd argue they've been running a little hot defensively as they've been away from home, but even so, it's a, it, they are a very solid defensive team on the road uh, in, in ways that I think are probably repeatable and you can depend on. Now, look, Liverpool are probably the best attacking team in, in the league so just because you're a good defensive team away from home doesn't mean you're going to be able to shut down you know that that, that front three of Liverpool but like I, I think that if you're looking at is this team doing what Josie Mourinho wants when they go on the road the answer is yes well I mean, let me well, throw I, this one hold okay. up a second yeah, yeah, we're yeah. talking about a lot of numbers here there's one question for you here because uh, you know as I was bring, I brought up the history part but let's remember something Harry Kane against Liverpool's uh, back line right now is a tasty, tasty narrative for me. That's what I think, Jimmy. What I mean, you know, that's no, something I mean, that we have to consider as well. Somehow, some way, Harry Kane has turned into Xavi and Iniesta and the same person right now. He's leading the league in assists by a wide margin over the very – uh, and very well-deserving and much-heralded Kevin De Bruyne, who drops dimes for fun. Xavi uh, Kane? Yeah, we should call him Xavi Kane. And then we have, and then you have Hingman Son, who's playing like Prime Messi, as Mike said, uh, you know, a little bit earlier. He's just been on fire, scoring everything that comes his way. Will that continue? I don't know. But against this back four, you could argue they're going to get some opportunities, which is why I led you guys a certain way on my bets. I want to do talk about though, to Mike's point about Tottenham and their defending. I think they're going to roll out a back five in this one. I think it's going to be a five, three, two. I think Doherty is going to be kind of the wing back, even though he's traditionally a right back, you have Davies who can play left back. He's going to be the wing back. Then you have a uh, Radon. It's going to be in there with, I don't know how to say that. I always want to say uh, Solomon Rondon when I see his name, uh, uh, Dyer and Alderweireld. And then you have this, this, this three in front of them, which is Sissoko, Hoiberg and Lacelso. If he wants to get a little more attacking there, he can put it in Dumbelli, but I don't think he will. I think he's just going to try to stick with what's been working. And it's the Kane Hingman Sun show. Sit back on the counter and be very hard to break down. And I think it's pretty smart, given the fact, to Mike's point, that Liverpool are the, one of the best attacking teams in the world, let alone the Premier League, with some of the best, the best players. And now you got a numerical advantage. Now you can stack up the Mane's, you can stack up the Salahs. You're going to make it very difficult for them. Every time they try to break the lines, they're going to get fouled. You know, that's just a hallmark of Mourinho teams. And it's just a matter of can Liverpool keep their composure? We saw Jurgen Klopp losing his mind less than two weeks ago about the refs and the schedule and all this stuff. Like he's starting to unravel a bit and it seems like his team follows his lead. They're still getting results, but I still feel like there's some vulnerability with this Liverpool team. And I think that Mourinho is the perfect guy to press that button and like turn that knife a little bit into Jurgen Klopp and do his team. Yeah. Concluding thoughts there, Mike, with this game. No, I mean, I think that that's right. I, you know, there are a lot of ways that Jose Mourinho has over the years gotten an extra defender on the field, right? Whether that's, whether that's sort of on the left side playing Regalon in front of Davies, uh, whether you call it a back, whether you call that a back five or a back four is, is a little bit in the eye of the beholder, whether that's like bumping Dyer up to defensive midfielder and, and putting Radon and, and, and Alderweireld behind him. Like there's a lot of different ways that Mourinho basically just makes him, his teams miserable to play against. And I do, it's just going to be a classic matchup, right? Because like the last, like the last holdout of Liverpool's greatness is that front three, right? They're, they're all healthy. None of them are injured. You can't say that anywhere else on the field. You can't, you can't even say that about their alternate front lines, right? Where Jota is now out for two months. So it is that front three that has carried Liverpool across this, you know, this stretch of greatness that are still the, the thing that exists for Liverpool. And they're going to be there attacking, you know, attacking a Spurs very defensive setup, I imagine. 
Yeah, I think essentially this is going to be the narrative of frontline against frontline. Who can do more damage? Salah, Mane, Firmino, or Harry, Xavi, Kane uh, against <laughs> Liverpool. All right, let's end it with predictions. Let's go. Just a quick prediction. What do you have in this score, uh, Jimmy Conrad? I got 1-1. One, one. All right, you're sticking with the draw 1-0. What about you, Mike? 2-1 Liverpool. Okay, and I'm going to go with a Tottenham away win because I like to be weird. Staying in the Premier League, uh, let's go to uh, Leicester City. Leicester City, uh, you know, uh, coming back a little bit after winning in Europa, winning the Premier League as well. Now, as we speak third in the table, Brendan Rodgers, uh, you know, feeling that his squad is feeling more confident. Jamie Vardy as well, uh, you know, getting back in the score. And uh, James Madison playing really, really well. Uh, it's a good one. It's a good game here against uh, Carlo Ancelotti's Everton, um, who just uh, defeated Chelsea in a good game. What do you see in this one, Jimmy? Yeah, from a, from a line perspective, Leicester's the favorite. Everton, obviously, as you said, coming off, feeling good about themselves, getting their second clean sheet of the season and their first since the opening day. And you have to wonder, Hamas Rodriguez did not play in this past game. Uh, Sigurdsson got the start there, and, and Hamas will not play in this one either. If that made a difference, because I think Hamas, I think we can all agree, doesn't play much defense. Uh, and I think they needed to do it against Chelsea, and it worked out. So Ancelotti, if Hamas is available moving forward, I wonder what he chooses to do because they have to start getting some more results if they really do want to realistically slip into this top six. So I don't know. Hamas starts to become surplus goods, which is kind of the, the tagline of his whole career. Like, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a luxury player. You know, you get him, but do you need him? You know, will he really grind it out for you? I don't know. But what I really like is Leicester to do it. They were a little bit vulnerable, I thought, through the Europa League there at the back end. And and gave up some results that and, and just lost games that they shouldn't have or, or got a draw that they shouldn't have. They've righted the ship. They've only given up one goal in their last three games. Jamie Vardy's now healthy back in the team in a more meaningful way, with all due respect to Ilianacho, who I think is a good player. But I like Vardy to score, both teams to score, because I think Everton do have the firepower. They're a different team when, when with Charleston is on the field. Uh, so both teams to score, Vardy to score, Leicester to win plus 400, I think is the one that I really like uh, with all due respect to Everton. I don't think they're going to get a clean sheet again. Uh, at least consecutively. My <laughs> Goodman, this is your team. Uh, talk to me. Yeah, this, this is my team, but I don't think Jimmy's wrong here. Um, <laughs> <I appreciate> <laughs> <that>. <laughs> the, the interesting thing about Everton is that they've been a really good dynamic attack, attacking team this season, and they've just been quite poor defensively. And what happened against Chelsea is, is yes, Hamas was out and they were, they kept a clean sheet and they were tighter defensively, but they really created very little in attack without him on the field. Now they got away with it, right? They score a goal. Um, they can generate stuff off set pieces, although with Lucas Digne out with a long-term injury, that is also somewhat reduced. And you kind of have like this classic question, right? Of, of do you, do you start the lineup with the attacking players that's going to be exposed at the back, or do you go away from that strength in, in the hopes that you sort of can can improve your defense and like i'm not exactly sure what everton are supposed to do they have no fullbacks all of their fullbacks are hurt and out yeah. and you you know you against chelsea they in effect played four center backs and and you know that's what you expect to happen when, when you play four center backs that you you try to scrape a goal somehow and you keep a clean sheet is that the one against leicester i'm less sure the thing i will say about leicester is that they have had such injury problems this season, right? You know, indeed, he's finally back after long-term injuries. Ricardo Pereira is still out. Vardy's been on and off the field. Madison's been on and off the field. And when all those guys are on the field, they're a good team, but they haven't been so much that they've, like, the fact that they're towards the top of the table is kind of a minor miracle, especially when you look at their underlying numbers. And they have not been able to attack a lot. 
um, which like to me, it suggests maybe Everton should just roll the dice, right? Like try to outscore them and depend on Lester not being able to break you down in return. I'm just not so sure that that's going to work. Yeah, and you mentioned Leicester City's injury problems. Let's not forget Timothy Castagna as well, a really good addition yeah. summer that is still not available. So, you know, in many ways, Brendan Rodgers is holding on. But, you know, momentum does seem to go with them. And to your point about Everton just going for it, I feel like they're going to have to go for it because, you know, again, they've just kept one clean sheet in the last 15 Premier League games against Leicester. That was, uh, you know, doing 2 nothing back in 2016. Hey, here's a fun fact for you. This will be Everton's 100th Premier League game to be played on a Wednesday. So how, that's fun. <laughs> Damn, I don't know where you get that, but that is amazing. <laughs> All right, let's go with predictions here. Jimmy, what do you have? So I fear, to Mike's points, uh, that Everton are going to struggle uh, if they get scored on first. The longer the game goes 0-0, the more that Everton's going to believe, hey, this is kind of like what we did against Chelsea. We're going to scrape a goal here at the very end and try to steal these points. But I see Leicester scoring first. I think Jamie Vardy, Madison being healthy, Iosi Perez, you know, they got some talent in there. The guys can break things down, Tillemans. So, so with Ndidi potentially coming back in, though it looks like he'll probably slot in at center back because there's some issues there. Johnny Evans is going to be hurt. I think there could be some goals because of the makeshift defending for Everton. But if, if Leicester scores first, that means that Everton's going to have to stretch it out to try to get back in the game. I like Leicester to win two to one. How about you, Mike? Uh, same difference, lower scoring game. I think Leicester 1-0. I mean, I think that what they, if, I, I mean, because I think if they go up, and even maybe if they don't, Brendan Rodgers is so good at using the ball to just keep the ball and kill off games. And Everton have nobody who can, you know, Alan's great in midfield, but without fullbacks, they just have nobody to go get the ball back, basically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, um, for the sake of my fantasy, I'm going to go two all with a Justin assist as well because I, I have PCL <laughs> and Jamie Vardy. So I want a high-scoring game, but Amazing. not that high-scoring. Let's go with two all. All right, final game. I mean, there's plenty of games tomorrow for everybody to uh, Leeds United against Newcastle, Fulham host Brighton, uh, West Ham against Crystal Palace. But we're going to touch on finally uh, on Arsenal against uh, Southampton. And the reason why we're talking Arsenal is because they're five points above the relegation zone. And it's mid-December. And that's kind of amazing to me, to be honest with you. Uh, Arsenal is just imploding right now, self-imploding. It's like little tiny explosions at the Emirates, just going off and off and off and off. Uh, Edu has already stated his backing of Mikel Arteta, you know, saying just got to be patient, be Kiss patient. Kiss a death. Kiss a death to get the public support. Kiss a death. Absolutely. I don't know. Maybe Ozil will be back in the squad. Who knows? <laughs> Jimmy, what do you have here? Arsenal, I think, a must-win game. I, I mean, I don't know if it's even if it's a draw, I, I don't know. I feel like that the clock is ticking for Mikel Arteta. I well, feel. One of my hobbies is watching Arsenal fans suffer. So I'm 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 really enjoying things at the moment. And I know there's a lot of <laughs> I think they're finding new levels of pain, too. That's that's the thing. Yeah. And I, I, I think if you gave them the option of having Arsene Wenger come back in, the same people that wanted him out would be like, yeah. Yeah. I, I consider Wenger in at this point. Yeah, sure. Why not? It could do, could do a lot worse. And at least he knows, you know, the Arsenal DNA and they make this whole narrative. That was the same reason they wanted him out in the first place. Longer story there, but yeah, this is a must win game. I think this is probably the last team that they wanted to face that already have their identity in Southampton. They know how they play. They know what their strengths and weaknesses are. Ralph Husenhudel has been, well, he had his, his butt on the chopping block at the very beginning of the season. They lost their first two Premier League games. They got knocked out of the, the League Cup by Brentford, who are in the championship. 
you know. Don't so, forget when they got killed by Leicester City. Like everybody's yes. just like, I yeah. mean, they got, it was dark, dark days there for a while, but yet he's turned it around. The buy-in from all the players is fantastic. You know, them being down 3-0 to Chelsea and then coming back to make it 3-3, I think really gave them a spark that they could compete with any team in the league and against any amount of talent. And they have yet to lose uh, since then, or maybe they've lost once since then, excuse me. But but Jaka's out for Arsenal. That's got to be fantastic news yeah, for all you Arsenal news. fans out there. Nicola Pepe comes back into the team. I like him. I rate him. Does he fit this particular squad in the system? Maybe not, but I think he's a talented player. He can come back into the team after suspension now is, is over. Listen, I like Southampton a lot. Uh, oh, yeah, Southampton did lose. They were up 2-0 on Manchester United, and they gave up three goals in the second half. That's their only loss they've suffered since their little uh, losing streak at the beginning of the season. I think they've got some things figured out, very similar to Chelsea, where they finally got maybe their best 11. Danny Ings is back in the team. Ward-Prowse has been excellent. Their back four has been solid. I think Southampton at plus, 22, plus 224 to win this straight up is tremendous value. That's and Arsenal are reeling, dude. They've, had, they've, had, they've, won, they've earned one point out of their possible last 15 points in the league. They don't know what's going on. You can sense their stress and anxiety in their team. And Southampton could really put the nail in the coffin for Mikel Arteta, which would be sad days. I like Arteta, but I don't know if it's going to work out for him. Yeah. Mike? I just I look at this matchup, and I just I think to myself, okay, what is – one thing, any one thing that Arsenal does better than Southampton right now, I mean, you know, across across the board, in attack, in possession, set pieces. Not even their away kit is better than Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, when, when I look at a matchup like that, it's just, it's really hard for me to. If the name on the shirt wasn't Arsenal, you would look at this matchup and you'd say, of course, you know, yes, Southampton's away from home, but like, of course, Southampton is the better team here, and. I just, I really struggled to like tell myself the story of how does Arsenal win this match? You know, and it's whatever, it's 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 football, things happen, you know, balls bounce in some weird ways. You know, maybe maybe Obama Young plays better than he's played all season long and, and you know, you get an unbelievable worldly of an individual goal or whatever. But broadly speaking, I just, I don't see the thing that you can credibly argue that Arsenal does better than Southampton on any side of the ball. Yeah. Yeah, it's just funny because I'm just looking at all these stats as well and everything is pointing to Arsenal, but it doesn't really matter just because of just the recent uh, situation that's going on with Arsenal. And by the way, uh, the Saints drew this exact fixture uh, with the Gunners last season 2-0. Uh, and again, it was pretty much like the Manchester United resolve this year when Lacazette scored like a 90th minute uh, goal. So that has to say something. Listen, if you're an Arsenal fan, you may think, okay, listen, that, that you've been unbeaten against Southampton in the last 25 Premier League matches, but that doesn't matter for what's happening right now, because there is, like Jimmy said, like Mike said, there is just nothing to show that Arsenal would win this. However, however, sometimes it's this kind of game that can wake people up and wake a team up. So we will see what happens. I wonder maybe, Arte if I was Arteta, by the way, I would just throw out that Europa League youth team and just be like, you know what? You go out there and do your thing. Hey, here's another one for you. Southampton are winless in their last 25 Premier League away games on a Wednesday. <laughs> I don't know, like what? Where do you find this stuff? It's, we were the ones claiming to be stat geeks, but you're the one with all the best stats. I'm just giving you Wednesday facts. That's all I have. All right, let's talk about prediction here. I think I know where everybody's going. Let's go with Mike first. Mike, what do you see in this game? Uh, two zero Southampton. Two nothing to Southampton. I just, I, I just don't know how Arsenal score. They just don't score. They, they, it's been months since they've scored from open play. Yeah, Jimmy. I I could see maybe Arsenal get one in on the set piece, but I think Southampton wins 2-1. I could see a 3-1, frankly. If 
if Southampton would voluntarily wear a Dundalk jersey or something, a, a Europa <laughs> League jersey from the pub, maybe Arsenal would would have a chance, but I just don't see it. And I think they're going to lose five straight home games, which is un, un, unheard of. Which is amazing because, as we mentioned, at, as we speak, Arsenal are five points above the relegation zone and it's, it could get even smaller, that margin, uh, by the end of Wednesday afternoon. Listen, Southampton is probably going to be wearing their Peru jersey, so I'm going to go with Southampton in this one as well. I'm, I'm going to say it's going to be a, a tighter one than that, though. I think one nothing. Uh, Danny Yanks gets his goal after being back. Um, that's all the Premier League that we have. When we come back... We go to La Liga as Barcelona face Real Sociedad. Stay right here. Welcome, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Que Golazo, Mike Goodman, Jimmy Conrad. We are talking now uh, a big game in La Liga. Real Sociedad, as we speak, Real Sociedad top La Liga. Of course, Real Madrid play um, on uh, Tuesday, so that could change. But still, if Real Sociedad face Barcelona at Camp now on Wednesday. They would still remain top of the table. This is a big game. Barcelona, by the way, still eighth. Eighth with 17 points. Granted, they've only played 11 to other teams, 12 or 13. Uh, big game in Spain. Jimmy, what do you have for us uh, easy money-wise? Just give you guys the straight odds. Barcelona are the favorite, minus 154. The draw is plus 333. And Real Sociedad, though, despite being the league leaders, as you mentioned, are plus 380 to win away from home. I, there's a lot of good bets there. I don't know how you guys feel about the results and, and how to see this. Barcelona not only have to worry about this game, they got Valencia on the weekend as well. So a couple big ones back to back. Uh, my big worry and concern for, for La Real is that uh, Mikel Oyarzabal, who leads the team with seven goals, is not going to be available for this one. So I kind of like Porto to score anytime plus 250. I know he missed a sitter recently in the Europa League. It's fine. It happens. He's going to want to totally redeem himself to borrow a quote from Dumb and Dumber. And I think plus 250 for him to score anytime. He's going to get some looks at Barcelona defense, still a little bit all over the place. Uh, Ronald Koeman, to, to bring up Barcelona's perspective, tried a different lineup against Levante this past weekend. It led to a penalty pretty late that Messi ended up scoring to get a 1-0 result. But they really lacked a lot with Right, right now, it's messy kind of in the false nine with Griezmann and Coutinho on either side of them. And for me, honestly, they suffer because those guys are all trying to look for the ball in the same areas of the field. And Des, for, as much as I love Serginho Des, and I think he's one of our lord and saviors for our American national team. But I never say American national team. Who says that? A U.S. men's national team. <laughs> I, I still that think it's like little, an army squad. It does. It the does. American it does. National the team. American national team, man. You got it, bros. Yeah. So anyway, so, so Dest in particular, I still think he's a little reluctant to really go forward and create that width in a, in a Danny Alves type way, just to give an example, Jordi Alba bomb forward, of course, but, but that they just don't seem to be as balanced. And I worry at times because they don't have maybe a diversity in players. It's hard for them to generate attacks it, it, uh, Messi's going to be messy, right? He's going to do what he's going to do and, and he can dominate and do what he's, you know, all of the messy stuff that we know and love, but, but they're still pretty predictable in a lot of different ways. And I think a team like Sociedad who haven't given up a lot of goals, both in Europe and domestically are going to be tough to break down. I, I, there's a lot of value there for Real Sociedad, but if you want to stay away from the result, I actually like Port 2 at plus 250 to score any time. It's pretty good. Yeah, Mike, uh, this is your first time here on the show. I'm really intrigued, aside from your analysis on this game, like what have you made of Barcelona this season? Yeah, I've been following a lot of, of <laughs> messy stuff, really, because one of the things that I've been fascinated over the last few years is how he's hit his 30s and he hasn't really declined. 
and that's not actually been the case this season right until the last couple of matches all of a sudden you've seen over the last two matches he's getting double digits in goals in shots taken um and the question is okay how good are those shots and it was only the last match where yes he ended up scoring from a penalty where all of a sudden he's getting into the box and i think he had seven shots from inside the box and those kinds of things that you're really looking at to say okay are we you know, is he finding his form under Komen now? You know, it, it was an incredibly tumultuous summer. It's been an incredibly tumultuous year for Barcelona. They have, you know, management is a mess. He's wanted out. His performances have not been good. So if you're like, you're looking for things, it's is messy, you know, like Jimmy just said, Messi's always going to do those messy things. Well, is he? And... <laughs> The, the hope is that he is, right? The hope is that the last the last two matches are him finally finding his form. But, like, anytime you've got a guy who's hitting his mid-30s, like, it's a concern. Yeah, and, you know, here's the thing, and we've been discussing this a lot about, like, I think, you know, aside from everything that's been going outside of, you know, this summer with Messi wanting to go, will he leave, et cetera, whatever, you know, the, the issues with, with the board, et cetera, the biggest problem has been something that really is inevitable, which is how is Barcelona going to deal when you see the decline of Messi? And you're kind of seeing that a little bit more this season, especially, you know, when you're looking at other players who have been there for a long enough time, also not doing their thing. I mean, Sergio Busquets is clearly showing his age. Frankie de Jong is still trying to adapt. I mean, listen, like the table doesn't lie, right? The table does not lie. They're, they're well, no sometimes the now. table lies. Just not now. <laughs> no, definitely not now and definitely not in Spain. With <laughs> you know, Barcelona in eighth with 17 points. I think that I think that that's reflective of what they're doing. But this is this could be a very good opportunity for Barcelona and Ronald Koeman to show them that they are, you know, better than what they're showing against a team who is top of the table, right? So um that you know, all right, let's go with something here. Jimmy, what what do you see here in this game? It's at camp now. Um, and by the way, Real Sociedad has lost their last two games on the Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, man, you and the Wednesday stat. I don't know if that's going to matter so much in this one. I, I like Sociedad to get some type of result. I like the draw, frankly, plus 333. But, but again, I don't know if anybody out there, maybe just stay away from this result because Messi can turn games on his head. And that is a promising stat that he had against Levante, that he's getting in and around the box and getting shots inside the box. Yeah. You know, he, he's always a firecracker. You just don't know what kind of mood he's in. He, he seems pretty checked out this season and I can understand why, but to your point, Luis, I worry about this Barcelona team and to bring back the American national team, just to keep that joke going. I think we went through something similar where you have your older guys that you still lie, relying on, even though, you know, you, you probably shouldn't, but that younger generation, that middle crop really hasn't panned out. And then your younger guys just aren't ready yet for the take on the responsibility to be those guys on a regular basis. And I think we're seeing the same thing with Barcelona, you know, Griezmann, Coutinho, they expected those guys to be the ones to step up and really kind of take the reins and help Messi out in a meaningful way. They've been underperforming every time they put that Barcelona shirt on. You're just like, are they the same players that we know and love? And, and then I think we saw that a little bit, the U S team, we don't have to go into that so much, but but I think there's that transition. And that's why I don't think Xavi wanted the job. I don't think he wanted to come in and take the job before Kuman because he didn't want to be the one that like had to send Messi on his way to somewhere else, which is the same exact reason why I think Zidane resigned from Real Madrid because he didn't want to be a part of Cristiano Ronaldo leaving the club and being responsible for him leaving. Yeah, it's like the general consensus of the COVID-19 vaccine right now. It's like, let's just wait to see what happens and then we'll- Exactly. We'll so anyway, I got, I got a draw on this one, but I'm going to still stick with my poor 2-1. I think he's going to get some opportunities and I think he'll hit the back of the net. All right, a draw. Mike Goodman? 
I think one one feels right ish to me. I, I like I I understand where Jimmy's coming from here. This is a really hard match to get your your head around um, because you know there's also we haven't even mentioned that, that David Silva, who's been unbelievable for Sociedad, isn't isn't going to be playing either. So yeah, I mean a lot of the things that have made Sociedad really stand out over the course of the beginning of the season aren't there, but at the same time, Barcelona really have legitimately been a mess. So it's a little hard to sort of wrap your brain around, but I would sort of shrug and say one, one. Yeah. I'm going to be boring and agree with that as well. I think it's going to be one. <laughs> oh, don't well. change it now, Luis. Nah, let's just be boring for the sake of all right, being boring. All right. All right. Uh, all right. One more quick drop. And when we come back, it's a quick Europe whip around because plenty more action to come in Germany and in Italy. Stay right here. Hey everybody, welcome back to Kego Lasso to finish today's episode with Jimmy Conrad and Mike Goodman. Let's uh, do a little bit more around Europe because there's still so many more great games uh, to uh, watch on Wednesday. Let's stay, uh, well, let's go to Italy, Serie A and Juventus facing Atalanta. Seems like a very tasty matchup. Jimmy, what do you have for us? Well, if Papa Gomez was was right of mind and not fighting his coach, you know, I would say Atalanta. I, I I feel the same way about their their hopes and dreams in the Champions League. It just they're a different team when he's not playing. He's cute as a button. He's a number ten. He pulls the strings. It's what he does, you know. And I actually think if he's really that unsettled, Inter Milan or, could really benefit from having a player like him underneath Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez. Different conversation, but. I will say that that impacts the team and, and how they move and how they flow and how they, they move from front to back now or back to front, excuse me, Juve know if they win this game, they could leapfrog Inter and Napoli to get closer to the top of the table. I think they're in good form right now. Whatever you think about Andrea Pirlo, I think he's still learning as a manager, but they're hard to, they don't lose. They've only lost once all season and that's to Barcelona in the champions league when they didn't have Cristiano Ronaldo. Otherwise they're pretty nails and they figure out ways to get results uh, I kind of like Juve to do the business here. I don't really have anything specific for you guys. Really not that many great prop bets, but you win 111 plus 270 for the draw, which I think could be a possibility. I don't like always picking the draw, but uh, then Adelante to win uh, plus 290. It's pretty good, pretty good value for a team that's in the knockout rounds of the Champions League, uh, plus 290. Juve do have some vulnerabilities, but again, they just don't lose. So if you feel in Adelante, I would look at more of the draw than them winning straight up. All right. Mike Goodman, how do you see this one? Yeah, I, I love Atalanta's story, and, and I've loved watching them over the past few years, but it's a it's a problem if Papa Gomez isn't isn't fully on board because he's their talisman. And you know, it's to be fair, it's not just Papa Gomez. This team, this version of the team is slightly worse than they've been the last few years. And it's just kind of age catching up with a bunch of guys in their early 30s. Um, they they're not a super deep team, and this is not a good time to not be super deep, not only because of the Champions League, but also just because you know, the schedule over the last year because of COVID has just been incredibly compressed for everybody. Um, so you've, you've got that, all that going on. And then on the other side, Cristiano Ronaldo's having a great season. He just is. Uh, he's having, you know, it had looked like, you know, we were just talking about Messi, you know, before. It had looked like Cristiano Ronaldo was sort of in decline. And then Pirlo comes in and Juventus are playing somewhat more free-flowing. They don't, like, exert sort of like that stranglehold of control over matches you might have been used to from the last four or five years. So what we see is Cristiano just scores a lot of goals. And, uh, you know... It, I think that this is probably Juventus is to lose in, in that way. I, I yeah. want to jump in really quick and, and bring up John Square, also known as Juan Cuadrado, who has been <laughs> excellent 
He has been excellent in the last like like month, six weeks. I mean, he's probably been steadily good all season, but he's really like hitting those early crosses. The timing of their runs have been excellent. And I really feel like they could take advantage of that and somehow pull out Atalanta from those spaces to just have yeah. to defend him a little bit more. And that opens up gaps in the middle for Ronaldo to exploit. And yeah. he is as well. Uh, on the other side, Kies has been doing a tremendous amount of work moving the ball up the field. And, you know, Atalanta's a team. They defend one-on-one in space a lot. And so all it takes is one of those guys beating their marker. And, you know, Atalanta's defense kind of gets pried apart until you sort of scramble and recover in the box. And well, I think that's I a know, recipe for Juve. I think I know where both of you are going. Mike Goodman, how do you see this one? Yeah, Juve 2-0. Yeah, how about you, uh, Jimmy? I'll give Duvon Zapata a chance. I think he'll hit the back of the net potentially, but uh, I like Juve to win 2-1. 2-0 would be right on line too. By the way, Juventus have failed to win four of their last seven Serie A games on a Wednesday. God damn it. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. One more game here in Serie A, which is really good as well. Uh, Inter Milan against Napoli. Uh, A really good matchup as well with uh, top four and title implications, if we're being quite honest, as we speak, Inter Milan second uh, with 24 points, Napoli third with 23 points. Uh, Jimmy Conrad, uh, how do you see this one? Well, how I see it is that Napoli has to feel pretty bitter about how the schedule set up. Not only do they have Inter midweek, they then travel to Rome to take on Lazio a couple of days later. So it seems pretty unfair, whereas Inter get to you know play against Spezia. Now Spezia, whatever, they're not going to roll over for Inter, but it seems like the little balance of schedule. Napoli's getting it definitely coming off the back end of knowing they were going to have six weeks of, of Europa League stuff. Uh, it's always going to be difficult. What I'll say is Inter have had no clean sheets in the league so far this season. Uh, Napoli, the second highest scoring team in all of Serie A. I like the over of two and a half goals, but it's minus 140. You guys know I don't like the minus. So if you look at it, to th- over three and a half goals, which I think is possible, it jumps to plus 170. I'll let you guys decide how you're feeling about that. Then I like Lukaku to score anytime, plus 105. Uh, I just think he's going to find the back of the net. This is a must-win game for Inter. Now that they're out of Europe, they're not even qualified. They didn't even get third in their group, right? They're completely out of it. They have to go for the Scudetto. That's the only thing on their mind. And if that's going to happen, if they really want to be a viable competitor and, and challenger for the title, they have to win this game. And so I feel like they're going to be up for it in a way that Napoli maybe can't because they have to balance this, this crazy schedule. They now also have to focus on Lazio on the weekend. And, and that gives the manager and Zaghi, like he just has more to, more to balance, more to think about than maybe Inter does. Yeah, Mike, uh, more of a headache for Napoli for sure in this one. It, it definitely is. Um it's interesting because these two teams have been very, very close in Syria, sort of performance levels, but they play very, very differently. It, it is absolutely wild the degree to which Antonio Conte's Inter are up and down and fun and goals going in at both ends. And, and, and Napoli are this really well-structured, tight defensive team with Osimhen up top, who's been just a revelation this year for them this season. Um, I think, like... I'm I, I'm a I'm a boring stats nerd who hates fun, and <laughs> Napoli structure to me just always feels more secure in terms of like trying to win a you know to win a league. Uh, you, there's just sort of less ups and downs over the course of the season. Um, so I'm leaning towards Napoli in this one, uh, but I, I mean, there's very little between these two teams. Is 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 I think really what it comes down to. Yeah, I can tell you one thing. There's going to be goals in this. 
There's going to be goals. This is not going to be nil. I'm nil. I mean, listen. Inter- because, because, on, because on a Wednesday night back in 2000, there was 15 goals scored. In this I game. have no Wednesday <laughs> stats for you in this one. I'm just going to tell you that Inter have scored in the last four <laughs> games at home. Napoli uh, has uh, recently scored against Inter in the last three games away. So, you know, you would. And also just because of what you both said, that they're, they're very different philosophies. But at the same time, they complement each other, at least from a neutral perspective. Like what you're going to see on the pitch. And I feel like you're going to see goals. I don't know if it's going to be like four all or whatever, but there's going to be goals in this one. Uh, um, by the way, the last time they played on a Wednesday, Antonio <laughs> Conte had a must. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> there's nothing there. All right, let's go with predictions. Jimmy Conrad, how do you see this one? I'm going to go with Inter two to one, uh, but there's tremendous value for everything. So depending on how you guys are feeling about this particular game, either from our insider or your own research, Inter Milan is plus 124 to win straight up. The draw is plus 245 and Napoli to win straight up is plus 215. You're going to find tremendous value in this game. It's just got to pick the right side. Yeah. MG, you staying with Napoli? I am sticking with Napoli. I'm going to say two one because because Jimmy's right that Inter's, the, you know, Inter's probably going to score, I think. But Napoli's uh, I'm on Napoli here two one. Well, I'm going to go with Inter. They could win five Serie A matches in a row. Uh, and I think that they're going to do it. Uh, so there you have it. Let's go with a 2-1 for Inter Milan. All right, let's finish off in the Bundesliga. Uh, Jimmy, Bayern Munich against uh, Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg are doing pretty well, I think, right? They're crushing it. I mean, they haven't lost any games in the Bundesliga. The only other team is Bayer Leverkusen. They're on top of the table. Now, a lot of those uh, non-losses have been draws, but still, there's something to be said for that fortitude, that mental fortitude for them not to not to ever break, just bend a little bit. I think they're going to be a formidable opponent for Bayern in this particular one. Bayern's league form, a little leaky. They've actually, in their last five games in all competitions, have given up the first goal and had to come from behind to either win the game or, or to get the draw. So I found this value for you guys based on that stat, that if, if uh, Bayern come from behind and win or draw, it's plus 305. I like that one a lot, just given this current trend that they're in. Of course, I still think Robert Lewandowski is going to score. He put five of these guys in nine minutes not too long ago. Uh, both teams to score. I like Wolfsburg to, do, to definitely hit the back of the net just due to some – this is what the only vulnerability I can see for Bayern is really in their back line. They play a high line. They take some risks there. I've read a big report on Hansi Flick. I'm taking my, my, my A license here. So we did a big thing on Hansi Flick and how Bayern press, and they do take a lot of risks in that way. So I think they're going to give up a goal, but Bayern Munich's going to win. So Lewandowski to score, both teams to score. Bayern Munich to win plus 180 is, is some good value there. Yeah, Mike, uh, the Bundesliga is super fun right now. Leverkusen topping the group, then the table, then Bayern Munich, Leipzig, Wolfsburg in fourth, Dortmund, of course. And if you remember, everybody, this time last year was around the time when Hansi Flick uh, switched it on for Bayern. He, he was like, all right, enough is enough. Let's get to work. Uh, how do you see this game and, and the run in the Bundesliga, Mike? Because we haven't asked you at all about the German game right now. Yeah, it's a fascinating, it's a, it's a fascinating top of the table. And I mean, to me, one of the things that's super interesting is that Bayern are leaky, but Wolfsburg are not a particularly good attacking team this season. You know, they only have... You know, the, the reason that they are not higher despite not having been you know, not having a loss is they only have 18 goals on the season, um, which is more or less in line with what sort of their expected goals, what you'd expect them to have from their shots, which is like 17 and three quarters. So they're really close. Like it's just a fair representation of what they are, um, which which to me just says that like, yes, Bayern take a lot of risks defensively. I'm just not particularly sure Wolfsburg is going to be able to capitalize on those risks. And Bayern are leaky. They're leaky because they have got a ton of injuries, especially towards the back. They've, you know, you know, losing Kimmich was a, was a huge, 
huge blow. You know, after Alfonso Davies has been has, was a breakout star last year, he's been in and out of the lineup this season. Um, but to me, the Bayern just has too much talent for for Wolfsburg. Um, so yeah, the lack the lack of respect respect for Vout Veghorst. You might have one of the best names in the whole game. Love, what a love name. Vout Veghorst. Got nine goals so far in the Bundesliga. Mike's sleeping on him right now. I think he'll find <laughs> the back of the net. Sneakily a James Bond villain as well with that kind of name. All right. Okay. Well, let's go back to Mike then. So you see a Bayern win in this one? Yeah, I think kind of comfortably. I'm 2-0, 3-0, somewhere in that range. All right. All right. How about you, Mr. Conrad? I got Bayern 2-1. I kind of like that, that value that I that Wolfsburg might score first. It seems to awaken Bayern for whatever reason. They're just kind of casual in some capacity. They get scored on and like turn it on and then they go on to win the game. I could see a 2-1-3-1 at that point. But uh, I think Lewandowski will score. It's what he does against Wolfsburg. It's just a matter of whether Wolfsburg can score as well. Yeah, I'm going with 3-0 Bayern Munich. I think Bayern's going to be still annoyed at just getting that point against uh, Union Berlin. And uh, that will be <laughs> that. All right, let's answer one question from um, some folks here on social. Adi Joseph. Adi, what's up, man? Always good to have you. Uh, let's just go to the question. Let me check right here. Adi wants to talk about the Premier League right now. Um, and he, specifically the schedule with the uh, Premier League going back to having overlapping matches again. What did you guys think of the three month run uh, where every match had its own time slot in England? Um, he's talking specifically, I guess, in the weekend as well, when, you know, you had your early game, your nine game, your, your 1130 and maybe the afternoon one. Um, I feel like there's no way I would have watched much of West Brom or Fulham otherwise for better or worse. Um, I I'm hope you don't have I'm any surprised. family friends that are West Brom or Fulham fans. Huh? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm surprised you even watched that anyway. I feel like there's a better <laughs> uh, use of your 90 minutes of your life. But Let's uh, begin with you. Audio. What do you think? What do you think about the scheduling? And uh, you just, you know. Uh, I, I, I like the staggered scheduling. I wish that other leagues around the world would do it, uh, especially MLS, who I think need as much visibility as possible. I think it's an opportunity to, to Adi's point. that like, I never would have spent time watching West Brom Fulham otherwise. And this gives people the opportunity to do that. Uh, but I can understand going back to this. It, it's what they've always done. And, and, but I like the stagger personally. Yeah. How about you, Mike? I think the, the, the problem for me with the late games, well, I mean, aside from like seeing my family and stuff, is, <laughs> yeah. is that they're, they're up against a lot more of the late European games. So yes, maybe I'll see some more Fulham or, or West Brom, but now I'm making decisions about, well, well, how, how's that stacking up against Juve? How's that stacking up against Barca? Whereas before, like, you know, you could sort of wrap up your Premier League morning and roll right into Europe in the afternoon. The reason that they don't have those late game windows usually in, in the UK is that like fans need home time to get home on the train at the end of the day. And that's, that's I mean, that's legitimately why they don't schedule those late games in order to facilitate the atmosphere of having away fans in the stands who can then get get home after the game ends and so i think they're probably going to drop that as soon as fans are back in the stands which is something we all want obviously um it's nice to have the the, the sort of spread out schedule but i mean there are real sort of drawbacks to it yeah i mean it's you, you you're never gonna be happy you're never gonna be sad it's just it's just also like the overwhelming amount of content as you mentioned that we get anyway it's just, it can just be a little bit too much and you know when you are soccer freaks like us three then it's gonna be it's gonna be an issue but there you have it that's your wednesday preview a lot of games jimmy conrad always good to have you brother thank you yeah thank you this is fun Mike Goodman, uh, his first, but definitely not his last appearance for KO Lasso Pod. Mike, thank you so much, brother. Thanks for having me, and I am glad to hear that. <laughs> you passed, Mike. You passed, <laughs> but you knew that anyway. Uh, thank you so much, boys. 
Hey, everybody. I want to thank Mike Goodman and Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. Don't forget to listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Kegolasso Pod on Twitter. Make sure that you stream us on Spotify and Stitcher. If you're listening to this on cbssports.com, please, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your pods. Thank you so much and enjoy the games and enjoy the holiday season.